Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. We are still in studio, and uh, it's again nice because we have all three of us here. And uh, even though we're still kind of working through this COVID situation, are we? But we're sitting six feet apart. Yeah, Did more like your, two or three feet, maybe. You didn't get your measuring tape out. Yeah, I got sure. my pool noodle over here. <laughs> Keep your distance. You no. say that is a pool noodle really six feet or no? <laughs> no, oh. no. It's I don't like, know. How it's like long three is feet. It? That no. would be kind of a fun way for us, like in the church, to measure. Well, no, that that's we were kind of. I actually, I had a friend. I, I won't take credit I'm for that. that. I won't take see. credit for it, but um, I was on a Marco Polo call with them and uh, just a couple of pastors. We were talking just kind of how we were engaging and how we get back to you know whatever normalcy looks like where it doesn't feel like a fire drill for a, you know, mm-hmm. a, a church service. Yeah. And, um, and he kind of just jokingly said, you know, it's like, we're going to hand out pool noodles to everybody that comes in and just keep your distance <laughs> with the pool noodle. It uh, actually is six feet. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> six feet. Yeah. That's hilarious. That that's is a, hilarious. That's a great plan. So maybe he knew that already. Anyway, I just thought it was hysterical because <laughs> they're playful, you know? Yes. And who doesn't like pool noodles in the pool? That's right. So anyway, uh, we are going to be talking about OCD today. So we're going to be picking up uh, just where we had in the previous weeks kind of launched that mini series of unpacking diagnoses. We want to pick that up again. Jeremy has created another one. And uh, in the ones prior, uh, again, he mentioned and we mentioned in those previous podcasts that those um, unpacking diagnoses were uh, really you know, paralleled with the DSM-4, and he has updated OCD uh, and with the DSM-5. So anyway, how are we doing? Shauna's over here scrolling on her phone. Yeah, I was just looking just to make sure. There's some that's actually five feet. But <laughs> I can just imagine our church is now listening to this podcast thinking like, oh, that's how we're going to do it. Like put yeah. noodles in on the seat. Yeah. And, okay, sorry. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it, it is pretty crazy though. Um, I still don't, we still don't know what we're going to do on that note. Mm. At least in this area, most churches um, are going to be, some churches have um, gone back already, but I think by and large, most are going to go back by the 7th Well, that's June. But that's from yeah. the Texas perspective because- um, Yeah, that's not the case yeah, for a lot of other states. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. others are going a lot slower, um, yeah. which is good. Yeah. Yeah, Texas is uh, being a little bit more aggressive in that respect for sure. Mm-hmm. Governor Abbott is, uh, you know, wanting the economy to continue and people to, to get back to work and, you know- still obviously exercise what seems to be common sense for most people when just washing your hands and mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing so um but anyway yeah right, so back to the topic at hand yeah well actually ocd cleanliness <laughs> hey 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 that's a good transition yeah yeah so jeremy you want to you want to launch us brother Absolutely. Um, and I, I want to remind folks that are listening to us, when we're when we're going through these unpacking diagnosis series, what our task is, uh, is basically to answer the question, does scripture speak into these diagnoses? And so we're not going to give uh, a, a lot of attention, at least in this particular context, to the physiological factors that could be at play. Yeah. And I want to acknowledge, I have worked with many, many, many people with obsessive compulsive disorder. I love working with these individuals. And I know just because of my experience with them and and the research that I've read, there is definitely uh, a neurological brain issue that impacts this struggle. Yeah. And we would not deny that at all. Now, today in our podcast, we're not going to go into all that. 
yeah. uh, because we're we're asking the question: What does the scripture speak to the symptomology that the DSM puts forth for obsessive compulsive disorder? Yeah, that's good. And without reservation, it does. And as we go through these things, I want listeners to know we always want to approach any kind of issue uh, like this with a lot of humility, grace, love, and kindness. And so, you know, what we what we're gonna say as far as the biblical perspective here, uh, if we don't handle these things well, it could come off as harsh, uncaring, biblistic, um, and we don't want that. Yeah. Uh, but we want some categories that help us at least begin to pursue the scriptures uh, for deeper answers of what might be going on with a person that's dealing with obsessive compulsive disorder. And we and I've mentioned him many, many times, Mike Emlett. Uh, we operate from this the, the mindset that he puts forth in one of the articles in the Journal of Biblical Counseling, uh, that there's not a moment that we're constantly spiritually engaged, and there's not a moment where we're constantly physically physically engaged. So it's always a, a both, especially yeah. on a on a situation like this. And so the DSM-5 has some descriptors, and uh, we'll just read through those first. Uh, do you guys want me to just read through them? Or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so uh, the DSM-5 criteria for obsessive compulsive disorder is that there must be presence of obsessions, compulsions, or both. And so obsessions are defined in these two ways, um, recurrent and persistent thoughts urges or images that are experienced at some time during the disturbance as intrusive and unwanted and that can in most individuals cause marked anxiety or distress. And so these are thoughts that basically get into a loop in a yeah. person's mind. Uh, and there's various forms it can take. Um, it can be uh, what we were talking about a moment ago where mm -hmm. a person's, the thoughts are about contamination yeah. That if if I don't wash my hands over and over and over, uh, I could be contaminated with some germs. And so you can have people spending hours upon hours just washing their hands or uh, cleaning their house or um, spending a lot of time in the shower, just yeah. afraid that, you know, I've had people who literally will spend four hours in, in the bathroom going through their routine to make sure that they are not contaminated when they walk out of the bathroom. Uh, it might be... Uh, intrusive thoughts. These are very common, especially these are common at our center because a lot of times it's people with um, religious beliefs that struggle most with these kind of intrusive thoughts because it's it's thoughts like, have I committed the unpardonable sin? Right. Or it's these intrusive thoughts where they're cursing God out like hardcore. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, those thoughts are gone. They're freaking out because that just happened. So it can be that kind of thing. Another form of this could be um, urges to to hoard, um, and so you you guys have probably heard about that. Where you know a person, uh, as a means of maintaining a sense of security, has this urge to hold on to things for no apparent reason to the point that that homes become cluttered from floor to ceiling. And yeah, there's no living space, um, and so those would be obsessions. the The individual attempts to ignore or suppress such thoughts, urges, or images or to neutralize them with some other thought or action by performing a compulsion. And so the obsession is this in intrusive thought or urge or image that that just seems to invade a person's world. And what they'll do 
takes us to the next session, which section, which is compulsions. They try to manage those obsessive obsessions with compulsive behaviors. Uh, so there's repetitive behaviors, hand washing, ordering, checking, or mental acts, praying, uh, counting, repeating words silently that the individual feels driven to perform in response to an obsession or according to rules that must be applied rigidly. Number two, the behaviors or mental acts are aimed at preventing or reducing anxiety or distress or preventing some dreaded event or situation. And these are clearly excessive in nature. And so that's the way the DSM is go- five is going to basically def- uh, conceptualize obsessive compulsive disorder, that the person is struggling with these obsessions that are intrusive and persistent. And then there are these behavioral compulsions or thought uh, compulsions where a person is trying to minimize the distress that they're feeling because of the of the uh, obsession that feels uncontrollable impulsive. So any thoughts on that? That's pretty that's pretty simple, but that's basically the way the DSM-5 is going to conceptualize obs- obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah, what's uh just not to take this lightly, but it just seems like everybody that I, you know, just even in passing or, you know, in specific conversations, it seems like I'm constantly hearing people consider themselves OCD. Oh, it's my OCD. 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 And in, in really reading, you know, this, uh, th- this kind of range of symptomologies, I, I, I mean, it may, you know, mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, just seeing that, I, th- I think on the spiritual level, um, matter of fact, I've got a couple friends that I know that struggle, um, where it seems like this could even help and lead into depression, you oh, know? Oh yes. Oh, right. Yes. Absolutely. So from a spiritual perspective where, you know, if they have these ungodly thoughts and they can't get past the fact that they thought about them, um, and how that would immediately throw them into, you know, that sort of depression mm-hmm. outside of the physical things, but the, at, at the thought level and the behavioral level, mm-hmm. um, to me, that seems where it could get pretty detrimental really quickly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Obset, um, obsessive compulsive disorder can absolutely lead to hardcore depression. And it can also lead to a lot of isolation. Yeah, because there are there are just some social struggles uh, that can come about where it's really hard for people to tolerate some of the things that might be required of them by the individual who struggles with obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah, like I need you to do this, 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 and this, and then you know, yes, that sort of thing. And so it's like exhausting for the person to spend time with them because they have to go through like these rituals in order just to even spend time with them. This yeah, is a, this is a random question because you know when I when I'm looking at what they have online of like this OCD cycle, you know, where it's obsession turns into anxiety, that compulsion, mm-hmm. and then the temporary relief, and then it just continues to rotate right yes whether that's the same obsession and it continues to go or there's multiple obsessions there that create different types of compulsions is it how, how similar is this or does it kind of fall into the same umbrella when someone says like i have an addiction so you know i have a sexual addiction or um where the alcohol could be the relief but is it is is the obsession stemming any of that or no or would you kind of look at that well that's more different? compulsion yeah so well, the, the, the substance part yeah. is, right? But say a sex, sexual addiction, that could really come from an, could that come from an OCD? I don't know. It could be a random question here, but the obsession comes from that and then the compulsion is acting on it or do, is this completely different? So that that's a really good question. And I can't remember where I read the study, but there is a study out and this is, this is a little different than what you're asking and then I'll come around, but there is a study that came mm-hmm. out that... Uh, looked at the part of the brain that was most activated for people 
struggling with sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. And what they found in that particular addiction, when it's sexual addiction, that it's the identical part of the brain that's activated for someone who's struggling with obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. When you move into substance abuse, it's a different part of the brain. Yeah. Uh, so there's definitely overlap. And OCD can feed that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense um, too. For certain. And, you know, Michael's right. We all, there, there are probably many of us that, that are, if we put OCD on a spectrum, uh, if we wanted to look at it that way, all of us or many of us probably can go there sometimes. But this particular diagnosis, these obsessions and these compulsions really disrupt life. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very hard to to function normally in right. responsibilities and routines. And so I have known people uh, with uh, OCD who are actually on disability because they're literally, I mean, they, they are incapacitated. So that would be a distinction for someone with genuine OCD. There's going to be a lot of disruption in their life. It, this, this whole thing really consumes a, a lot of their time and a lot of their mental energy. Mm-hmm. That's why sometimes, you know, when people just throw out the terminology so casually, like I don't love that because it's like, oh, I'm and that's really what I was getting I'm, at, yeah. I'm anxiety, you know, I have OCD and it's this light term that's just thrown around and it, and it's really in the, in the church, right? Mm-hmm. Like all the time. And really we need to grab a hold of that of saying, okay, well, that's not really a light type of term that we're supposed to communicate casually, but what is that really saying and communicating when you say that? And it's not something that we should be just okay with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not, if I'm saying, I can say, oh, oh I have OCD. Ha ha ha. It's so casual. Like mm-hmm. that's an okay thing. But when you really look at the depth of what we're hoping to get at today is, is looking at what this is really saying that what is that true compulsion saying repetitive, you know, thoughts, um, and the reoccurrent and persistent thoughts and how that can be paralyzing in a lot of ways. And then that compulsion, like what is that type of behavior that could be very negative in the mm. way that it's um, acted out, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Is that, you said that's what you're trying to get at? Is, is Yeah, it's just, and we actually kind of brought up that point too when we were talking about other areas of um, unpacking these diagnoses, like when it came to PTSD, because uh, I mentioned in passing, like with kids, you know, the Gen Z, they throw it out like they get, you know, yeah. PTSD, like for things that were like, what? Yeah. And and you, you, you made that point. Same thing, yeah. You know, where it's just, you know, it's like, but to them, that that's like a, that that's how they understand it mm-hmm. because they don't, you know what I mean? It hasn't been fully expressed and explained to them as far as that's concerned. So, and I think that is kind of like the, the idea here. Um, and, and I think that, I think that is good. I think that's something that we do need to, to kind of maybe point out from time to time and people, cause I, I, I do, I hear this on such a regular basis. Yes. Um, uh, constantly, but it's, it is, it's like if I leave the office and I come back and I shake the door three times to make sure yep. that it's, yep. I do that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it is, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a fear that I, I just want to, I don't want to, you know, know that the door's unlocked because then, you know what I mean? So why is it just three times? Why not just twice? You know, it's just, it's random, but it, yeah. I guess that's what I need is to that, Would that be more Tourette's? <laughs> <laughs> no. No? Okay. Well, Tourette's, you know, I, I, yeah. I think the hardest part about doing a podcast like this is where you're talking about a topic like this and, and what we've also uh, talked through from other unpacking diagnosis is there's no way in 20, 30 minute podcasts, we're going to be able to fully address this. Um, I mean, this is literally a series and even in the series, there'd be missing elements from it because this can manifest itself or play out in people's lives. And so, so many different ways. Mm-hmm. So when you're in the counseling room, you, you don't count. 
counsel someone the same, right? They're not, they're, it's not a like experience. Um, and I'm so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit with us as a counselor. So when we have these situations, we obviously have his help and guidance. So oh, thank God, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when it comes to that. So I just want those that are listening to not think this podcast is something that we're trying to solve everything here. And you're going to leave after this 20 minutes and have this full understanding of what this looks like. This is really obviously us just inviting you to an open conversation and dialogue that we're having, you know, um, together here at speak the truth and just to get you to start thinking about it and looking at it differently and hoping obviously, and just what kind of came out from, from Michael and I of just not communicating this so casually, of realizing the true weight of when we say someone has an upset uh, is OCD, like really what that looks like and how we can properly serve them. Um, and so Jeremy, I'm, I'm now thankful to throw it kind of back to you so you can give us, I guess that, but obviously the biblical perspective of this saying, okay, here's how the DSM died or, you know, the criteria for it, but like, yeah, now what is, what does that look like from the, from the scripture standpoint? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and let me say, as we dig into that, if you have someone that, that comes into your church or your office that is citing this diagnosis, you want to know that you are um, in the presence of someone who is tormented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are in the presence of someone that is suffering in ways that we may not really appreciate mm-hmm. and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want to take it lightly. Some of the most, some of the most sad uh, cases that I've had as a counselor, just in terms of the the constant torment. I mean, imagine having thoughts that just roll through your mind day and night, and you mm-hmm. can't get rid of them, mm-hmm. and and you're really convinced that if you don't stop thinking that, then you're going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's terrifying. Yeah. And so we want to make sure as we unpack this, just uh, if you're going to work with someone with OCD, you want to exercise lots of compassion, lots of compassion. Um, because sometimes even they know that their, their obsessions are irrational and yet they can't stop it. And just the shame and that they feel so foolish. Mm. Some of the people that come to me, I'm the first person, I mean, these are adults. I'm the first person they've ever shared this with because they have felt so foolish in their lives as Christians. And they've just had to hold on to this because it's so embarrassing and so shameful. And so we want to exercise a lot of compassion. And I will tell you this, you will want to pray that the Lord will uh, just consume your heart with enormous amounts of patience um, because the person with OCD is often five steps ahead of you in your thinking and in your counsel, and they're going to have a rebuttal uh, possibly uh, or why what you're saying isn't legitimate or isn't going to be helpful, and you you don't want to you know demean that. That's where they are, and you want to engage some of those conversations. Um one of one of the most amazing stories that I have as a counselor, and this happened probably 20 years ago, uh, I sat with a young man who is my friend, and um, and he's a great guy. Uh, but I just remember stepping into his world. Uh, he was at the end of his rope. He was probably in his 20s at the time, and um, it, it sounded like if we didn't find an answer, he he was going to do something terrible. He he was going to end it. But by God's grace. Uh, we got this guy some help over a year or two, and he's a highly functioning individual today. And before, he could barely even go out of his house. So I know the things we're about to talk about, the scriptures are very powerful. And they're, they all, the sci, there's some science that can be very helpful to this that we, we can draw from, uh, but we don't want to ignore the beauties of the scripture 
that science doesn't, it doesn't have the same thing to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Okay. Worldview, conceptualization, all of that. And so the first thing that we might consider as far as uh, obsessions being conceptualized by, in a biblical way, we, we want to start out with something very basic, but it's also extremely important that we live in a fallen world. I mean, that's one of the things that has to shape our mindsets when we're working with individuals. And very specifically, there is empirical evidence that obsessions are strongly influenced by factors associated with living in a fallen world, such as brain structure, physical, emotional, sexual abuse at a young age, some kind of trauma at a young age. Um, this can can do things in the brain that um, can can cause the problems that that present as obsessive compulsive disorder. And so we don't want to ignore that. And we, we want to encourage people uh, who come to us, you know, if there are some things at the physiological brain level that they can uh, engage in that would be helpful, uh, we don't want to put that to the side as something less important. Um, but when you move more into the, the heart issues, uh, obviously one of the, the components of obsessive compulsive disorder is fear. Uh, obsessions within this diagnosis are typically associated with perceived and potentially dreadful outcomes. For example, becoming contaminated by germs or unbiblical ideas about being condemned by God. So thought, thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, and kind of it was like going back to what I was talking about before, like, you know, from the spiritual perspective where people are having those thoughts or, you know, if they're struggling with a particular sin and they seem, they feel like they can't get over it and that they're in this constant state of, guilt and shame before the Lord. Um, and they don't have, you know, especially if they're not spending time in the word and doing anything to help change that thought process or a way to counter that thought process. Yeah. It, I mean, it just leads to that fear, fear of God. And then it leads to that isolation that you were talking about. Um, and just kind of the progression of, you know, just the negative effect that it can have mm -hmm. on somebody. And then just, you know, again, the reality of the fallen world. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we have in the church, which is why we need to have more biblical counseling in the local church um, in that respect, because so many, you know, when we finally get to community groups and you get into relationships with other Christians, everybody has a story. Like when, you know, they have a fallen world story, right? To some extent, um, you know, they, they experience things as a child or, you know, sexual in nature or abuse or whatever the case is, but there's always this aspect of fallen world. And unfortunately it does produce these things even obviously at the brain level, like what you mentioned with Emlet before, like there's never a moment where we're not acting, you know, um, you know, our body and our souls and are acting in a particular way towards something or against something. So it's, it's always at work. Mm -hmm. So no, but that's good. Let me ask you this though, Michael, because as I'm, I'm hearing you guys talk, I think of you, you know, as you're the uh, discipleship pastor at the church, yep. when you think of that community group perspective, you know, I don't know if this has happened, but not really any that we've been a part of where churches are actually like talking about this and where like leadership training, where you actually have a training that explains to your community group leaders what these certain things are. That way, if you actually have someone who's, who's walking through this, you know, in your actual community group that you know how to do these types of things, like what you then, Jeremy said, having compassion, having that patience of really saying, I might not be able to relate to you, but how do I learn to love you well and support you and encourage you and mm -hmm. what you're walking through? Because it's not just about the counseling room, but really from your perspective. And so I know we're not currently doing anything like that right now, but as a pastor, do you think that would be something that would be really helpful for churches to do? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that's the case. And just to, just to, I mean, really in real time, put that in perspective, a conversation that I had yesterday with, um, 
somebody from our church who's going through, we have a discipleship pathway and he's in my D2 class. And, um, you know, it's, it's focusing on doctrine, the, the core doctrines of the faith, but, but it's in a group context. So he's been sitting with the same people, you know, for this, for this period of time. And he's finally getting personal and knowing what's going on in his, in his life, not having a lot of people to talk to, like that's a big deal for him. And he's beginning to share mm-hmm. things with this group that he hasn't shared with anybody because he feels, feels more comfortable. Yeah. So it's getting, getting people in the church to, to provide that, you know, that context for people to, to open up in that way where you are, where leadership in the church is more intentional in equipping, you know, leaders to engage at this level, because it does take that a, a leader to initiate those conversations to be able to engage people at that level because people want it they desire somebody to talk to but they always because they've been in isolation for so long they just don't have they don't have the wherewithal or the courage in that moment to step forth and actually talk about um you know what's going on in their lives you know so it's it's a big deal uh, to provide this and i think um just even hearing him say that to me yesterday on a phone call um, and that wasn't the purpose of the phone call. It went there. Um, but just to have him talk at that level. So yes, yeah, Sean, I think there's, I think there's a lot of truth to this and just even where, um, you know, when somebody drops it, you know, unintentionally or just kind of, you know, oh, it's my OCD or whatever, that could, that, that could be a, a moment to have a spiritual conversation and, you know, you just never know. So. so I think in the church, when your community groups are growing in that way, even Bible studies and things like that where it's, it's that authentic relationship starts happening and people start opening up and sharing these things. Or maybe even we even see the OCD happening in front of us, yeah. but we're not saying anything about it. We just kind of ignore it. Right. And so I think from just this point of us taking a pause real quick, and obviously, Jeremy, we're going to throw it back to you um, so you can fit, you know, continue to give us the points and go more in depth of, of, of OCD in particular. I think what might be an idea that I, that I um, want to encourage the churches out there is maybe what you do is where I've heard before where the elders or deacons get together and someone comes prepared to that particular meeting and y'all discuss a topic and educate your deacons who are, who are called to care for the church in this way on this particular thing, right? Topic, whatever that looks like, and then how to care for these people. Or you have a community group leadership training or monthly meeting, and you just interject an article or you send them an article to, hey, read up on this and just start being more intentional because you who are leaders out there, you are the ones who really starts to help train and and change the culture within your church on these particular things. And I think most people would be welcoming and open to learn these things, but it always takes that one person kind of being leading out in it. You know what I mean? So that might be a, a good idea for you. And obviously ABC is if, if you go into our membership, we have resources there, but if there's something we don't have created, feel free to send us an email. And so we can look into that and, and create anything that we can help serve you better. Um, but all right, back to you, Jeremy. Well, I just, I just want to say oh, really sure. quick to, to that point, um, that that really is kind of the purpose that these unpacking diagnosis serves, right? Is it's to provide some kind of street level introduction to understanding, you know, this terminology that oftentimes we don't feel, you know, we don't feel equipped to speak to Shauna, which is kind of like functionally what we do. We see it happening before us, but we don't say anything about it. We, we know what it is because that's what we're, we're told that's what it is in a general sense, but we don't know enough about it to speak into it, uh, let alone speak into it biblically. So we just back up and we just say, we, we observe and we judge. 
Yeah. We, we observe and we judge, and we don't actually do the biblical thing in grace and mercy and actually go love on this person, which is what Paul calls us to with the one another in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Not like you're walking up and saying, hey, I've noticed you have OCD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's not that. It's, no. it's more about just um, allowing it to be out in the open right. and hopefully building a relationship with them where you can start really just sharing and showing compassion. Yeah, yeah. Uh,